0: Does anyone know what today is? Thank you, at least one of our kids do. All right, today's Sunday. It's called the Lord's Day. You know what today's date is? Who knows the proper date today? You're close. Sunday, September 27th. You're close. Today is Sunday, September 27th, twenty twenty. The year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look it up for yourself. How do we actually tell time? How do we tell the date? It's based on the pivotal point of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been shortened, 2027, right? Uh, September 20, uh, 27, 2000, uh, 2020, the year of our Lord. But who is our Lord? The Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, that's the proper. So if somebody says, What time is it? Or what's today's date? Just, I want you to do it at work this week. Whenever somebody says, hey, what's today's date? You say, today is September 27, 2020, the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know why it's the year of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because he divided all time to come to save sorry people like me and you. Amen? When not you a good-for-nothing before you got saved? Anybody? I was, you are. I was, I was, you were. Listen, we come to the place that we think a holy God who had a plan. He had a purpose. He knew you were going to be here today. You're not here by accident. He knew you were going to be here today. He knew the day you were going to be born. And by the way, i got good news and bad news depending on who you are. He knows the day you're going to die. Is that true? I don't know if he has this big appointment calendar in heaven or what, how he does it, but uh, God knows when you're going to be born, and God knows the day you're going to die. So why not live this life for his glory while we're here? We're going to look at something today. I don't know where you are. Let God choose the path. Let God choose the path. Don't forget this today. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask you what we should do. And guess what you're going to respond? Let God choose the path. You know where we're going? We're going with God first. Amen? If God's leading, that means you're behind him. And you're with him. We just sang the song that he's with you, may he go with you. He is with you, the Bible says, and he's in you. The Holy Spirit, when you become a Christian, when you give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you finally come to the point where God has humbled you, and you say, I can't go on any further, Father. My life, all my work has been to the point that it's good for nothing. I've messed everything up. When he comes and draws you close to himself, and he says, receive my son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. When you submit yourself and say, I want to be forgiven of my sins, and I want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then and only then can he lead your life. And he won't do it. He will not do it. He's, a, he's more of a gentleman than any gentleman you ever met. He won't force himself on you. He'll come to the place that you actually accept his free gift of salvation. When you accept that free gift of salvation, listen, you've been adopted into the family of God. Now what does that mean? Well, he ain't going to give me everything. He's going to check me out. He's gonna, i got a 30-day period that he's going to check me out. i got a probation period for 90 days. He might kick me back out of the kingdom. There's preachers preaching that this morning, that if you don't do enough good works... That you won't make it. You need to get saved again next week. Well, brothers and sisters and friends, let me tell you this. Jesus Christ died one time on the cross, once and for all. And when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not going to go die again for your sorry sins. Because you're going to sin again. This preacher, I told you before, is a junkyard dog. Amen? You don't to amen that. My wife can amen that. <laughs> saved by the grace of God. But I've been made new. All things have passed away, and behold, listen, all things have become what? New. He didn't let me into the kingdom a little bit by a little bit. When he brought me into the family, he set a place at the table for me to eat. you understand? All the blessings from heaven, where do my needs get filled? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And when I become a child of God, guess what I have access to? His riches, his glory, his kingdom, his fatherhood. His salvation, His power. Every time that I actually step out somewhere, listen, I can walk daily with the Lord. Do you know your place in the kingdom of God? Do you understand your place and your child when they accept Christ? The high priestly blessing we just sang, that's actually from the Old Testament. Come to the place where the blessing is on generation to generation. You just can't speak a blessing to the generation if you have nothing to bless with. You understand? You can't pray a blessing on the next generation unless you have the one who blesses. And who is the one who blesses? He is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, friends, let me tell you, I don't know what's been taught to you or where you you come from today. I want to share with you, once you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he did die one time on the cross. He was buried one time, and he rose again from the grave three days later, just as the Word of God said, according to the Scriptures. Let me try that again. That should have been a big amen right there. A bunch of dead people in this place today. Listen, we come to the place that Jesus Christ died on the cross one time for all sinners, He was buried one time and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is the truth that we have. We don't say amen many times because we're not walking in that truth. We're walking defeated day by day. You don't understand my circumstance. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand my boss. You don't understand my spouse. You don't understand my children. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, but I know the one who does. And he says, listen, when we get into the word today, Paul and Barnabas, we talked about it last week, they got into a church conflict. There was some fighting going on in the church by the apostles. So if they can't get it straight, what what means are we going to get it straight today? The same means they should have is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can agree to disagree without being disagreeable. Is that true? If it's something that you say, well, I just was taught growing up and it doesn't match up with the Bible, I don't want to talk about it. You were taught wrong. Amen? Amen? If you were taught wrong and you want to argue your point of contention from something you were taught by your grandma, she might have been a lovely lady, but she was wrong else as well. Is that true? Your grandpa, your mom and daddy, myself, yourself. I told you, a pastor asked me, if you were wrong, would you want to know that you're wrong?" And The answer is, sometimes, unless it messes up something, I've been teaching. When I first became a Christian, I was a, a, a new Christian the pastor said, "Hey, I want you to teach the youth. Sorry, youth and children. They get all the no-good people that don't know nothing about the Bible. Y'all know that, right? We put our worst teachers sometimes in the best positions. We give them, like, the fruit, the sh- little sheep. And they feed them some junk sometimes. And, and so a pastor's son asked me, he said, what James is he talking about there, uh, Mr. Smith? I said, well, he's talking about James. Well, which James? Well, I didn't know there was more than one James in the New Testament. I thought it was all the same James. I found out there's actually a different James, Right? different simons when you read the bible you have to actually read the bible to understand the bible so it embarrassed me to the point that i said lord that will never happen again and i started swimming deep in the word of god and i've been swimming ever since because i get questions asking me sometimes i'm like i don't know the answer on sunday nights tonight at five we're going to start it and we call it pulse we're going to come to the place where you write down questions and by the way please do that on your tear off today write that any question you have about the faith any question about anything write it down and we're going to discuss it tonight at 5. We're always going to move a week ahead, so some of them I have to do research on. I have to look up some scripture for you to have it ready for you. But we're going to be a week ahead, write down the scriptures, come at 5. We're going to hopefully have the videos going, and we'll do it Facebook Live. We're going to be answering questions with panels up here. Different pastors, different people are going to be speaking to the issues. <clears throat> Why do I tell you all that and tell you, listen, Paul had made a decision. He's gone back to the churches. He said, let's go back to the places where we've had new converts. And every time those Christians... In a new place, guess what it becomes? It becomes the church. The church is ecclesia, the called out ones. So if you're a Christian today, we come to the place. Mike, would you come up here just for a second? Mike, come on up. Steve, come up with me real quick. So these are the ones I'm calling out. You see what they're doing? Would y'all just come up here real quick? Gary, would you come up here real quick? So what what am I doing? Thank you guys. I tried the guys that would be up front that I wouldn't embarrass. So I called them out. Where did I call them from? From where they were until where I wanted them to be. I called them out. Thank you. That's it. That's all that's it. That's the church. Do you see the picture? Once you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord's saying, come away from the world system, come away. Yeah, but the culture's teaching this, Pastor, I really can't talk about it at work. Would you rather be fired for telling the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or would you rather have a promotion? and betray the Jesus Christ that saved you. What would you rather have? And our culture, don't answer it because some people said, listen, you don't understand, it's not that easy. Is it that easy? Paul was stoned to death for his faith. Was it true? And we're going to see shipwrecks, we're going to see all kinds of things coming. He's going to get beat next week. I'll just give you a spoiler alert. He's going to get beat down next week again. He's going back to the city with scars and bruises still on his face where the people killed him. If we believe he was stoned to death, which I do believe. And he's going back to the other city where he was threatened to be stoned to death for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go with him as we look into the Word of God, Acts chapter 16. Take your copy of God's Word. There's a couple of words sometimes when you read these countries, you go, what in the world is the name of that country? So we'll mess it up together, okay? You good with that? Let's go, Acts chapter 16. Paul and, and 15, they've decided Barnabas and John Mark have gone to Cyprus. They've had a church division Paul, now with Silas, is heading north. They're going to go back to the churches where they just got through preaching the gospel a few months earlier in some days. And they're going to actually go back to the very t- first two places they're going to go is where Paul was stoned to death and where he was threatened to be stoned to death. How would you, would you come back to the town if you had a threat on your life? Some of us won't even get out of bed to come to church on Sunday morning because it's too cold or too hot or whatever. Paul's going back to the place to strengthen the disciples that he made there, that the Lord made through him. Do you think he was bold in his faith? He was strong in his faith because he believed. He truly was a believer. He believed that the Lord Jesus Christ died for those people. Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your neighbors? Do you pray for them? Do you share with them every chance you get, even if they revile you and speak all kinds of manners of evil against you? Do you pray for them? Do you speak a good word to them? We can agree to disagree, can't we? We, We're different people. I told you when we went to Canada before I read the word, the Canadians said, all you Americans think. Well, do all y'all think like I do? No. Look around, look around, look left and right. We don't look the same. We don't come close to thinking the same. Is that true? So when you go to Canada, the Canadians, you Americans, all y'all think. I said, man, I had not even been to all 50 states. Has anybody been to all 50 states in the United States, including Puerto Rico? All right. Guam, anybody? Military? There you go. So the, the point is being, we haven't even been to all 50 states, so is it wrong to stereotype all 50 states of the United States of America? Right, wrong, or different? Is it wrong? Don't we do the same thing? Have you ever heard, you people, you ever been told that? When you get grouped in a group of people, you people think, well, don't tell me what I think. Let's have a conversation. Let me tell you what I think. And where does my thinking come from when it comes to talking about Jesus Christ? It comes from his word. If it's not in his word, listen, we're thinking wrongly. Let's go. Acts chapter 16. Then he came to Derby, and Lystra. These are the two cities. And behold, a certain disciple there was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. Now, I said it clearly, and somebody's going to ask me after church today, why do you keep talking about circumcision? It's because I'm reading through Scripture, and the Scripture talks about it, okay? only reason I'm bringing it up is because it's brought up again right here right now, okay? Turn to the channel. Here we're going to see the channel. Remember the, d- the debate was the Jews, the, the, some of the Pharisees that were saved were saying, hey, yeah, you got to come to Jesus Christ, but all you men, you have to be circumcised and follow the law. you got to keep the Ten Commandments, and Circumcised to be a Christian, Jesus plus circumcision plus the law, keeper of the law. Friends, our relationship comes into place. We Peter spoke, Paul spoke, Judas spoke, and then we finally have James speaking, saying, "Listen, it is by faith alone and through God's grace alone that you're saved. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ only." Not Jesus plus something, it's Jesus plus nothing. That's the only way to be saved. You can't do enough good works, you can't give enough money, there is nothing you can do except say, yes, Lord, I trust you when he calls upon your name. Like I called these men out when he calls you out among the, from the world, when it's a yes and amen, then and only then can you be saved. You are the Christians, you are the church. So there's a man here, look what's going to happen. Verse 2, he was well spoken of by the brethren... Who were at Lystra and Iconium. That's the other two towns he's been to. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. He took him and... What did he do? We just said it. This is not necessary. So when you come to a pastor, you're scratching your head going, Paul, you just, they just had a big Jerusalem council over this thing. What does he do? Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Obviously, his father was not a Jewish man, not a believer... But he was well known. They knew his daddy. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. What were those decrees? That you don't have to be circumcised to be a Christian. And yet Paul turns back around and circumcises this poor boy. Why? It wasn't for ministry and salvation. It was for effectiveness. Because the Jewish people, he was trying to reach a people group And he knew they would ask, and the first thing he would ask when he would preach the gospel, have you been circumcised? Not that it matters, but they wouldn't give him an ear to listen had he not been one of them. They knew his daddy, the Bible says in the region, they knew his daddy was a Greek. They knew his daddy was a non-Jew. His mama was Jewish. So the question would be, have you followed through with circumcision? Do you belong, are you a Jew? And if he says, yes, I've been circumcised just like you. Then he has a platform from which to speak. It wasn't necessary for his salvation, because he was already a disciple. It mentions his discipleship before it mentions him going through circumcision. Do you understand? Before he had an opportunity, Paul comes to the place and says, listen, your effectiveness will be multiplied whenever you come to the place of following the Jewish tradition. Do we follow the laws today? The law of God? Anybody? Thou shalt not steal. Anybody follow that? If you steal, what's going to happen? Why does, why does God say thou shalt not steal? Because he don't want you to have? He knows that the day you get caught stealing, what's going to happen, or the day you steal? There's a potential of being caught. There's a potential of going to jail. and There's a potential of doing wrong by the person that you steal from. There's restitution that's going to have to be made. So the Lord, instead of explaining all the outcomes of what he's telling you in the law, he just says don't do it. You ever told your kids don't play in the street? Don't you go out in that street. And, and sometimes parents go, that's one Sweetheart, there comes a big truck, that's two, right? If you're parenting like that, stop it. Just stop it. Be the parent, quit being their buddy. You're not their best friend, you're their parent. When you say no, it's no, and when you say yes, it's yes. Don't, don't dis- discuss with them. When they get to be 20 and plus, then you can actually start counseling with them because they've got to make decisions on their own, or 18 in America, is what we say, right? But they're still dependent on you, they want to eat your groceries. I want to drive your cars. I want you to pay the bills. But they won't tell you what to do. Is that true? I would encourage you to be the parent. Be the biblical parent. Does the Bible tell you how to actually be the parent? There's no handbook for your specific child, but there's a handbook for all children. Did you know that the Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from them? But, Pastor, 110 psychologists said you shouldn't spank your children because it harms their psyche and they'll probably strike another child. They're going to strike another child because they're sinners. Amen? And you strike them one time when they're in with a switch, you'll take that thought of striking another child out their mind. Use what the Word of God says. Raise your children the way God says to do it. And guess what you're going to get every time you do it? God's way, you get what? God's results 100% of the time. Psychiatrists don't know better than God. Psychologists don't know better than God. Counselors don't know better than God. Use godly counsel. And they, if a godly counsel will come to you and they give you word of God, he'll actually or she'll actually start with this. This is what the word of God says. You say, Pastor, you don't know my situation. You take it up with God, all right? Let's keep going. Paul's going to move on. So he does this thing. Look what happens in chapter, verse 5. This is an amazing thing for me to see. Every time that God's at work, every time he's at work, this happens. We've seen it from the day of Pentecost with Peter all the way through right now whenever his disciples are being obedient, <clears throat> Verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and they increased in number daily. What was Paul's mission when he left Jerusalem? What was his mission? I want to go strengthen the church of God. I want to go everywhere I've been preaching. I want to preach the word of God. I want to strengthen the believers there. And guess what happened when he went back and preached the word of God some more and told them what the Jerusalem council said? The very effect. He did it God's way. He got God's results. You see it? You and I are in the same situation. Let's keep going. Now, when they had gone through this place called Phrygia, and the region of Galatia, this is modern-day Turkey, if you'll see, uh, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia or Asia Minor. Can you believe God said you cannot preach in Asia? You're not going to Asia. If God commanded me that, I would say, praise God, I'll never have to go to Asia. I, I hate flying to China. I've done it twice. I cannot stand moving, uh, flying to Asia. It takes forever and ever and ever. And I'm pretty hyperactive. So when I get on an airplane and have to sit still for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours, <laughs> it's horrible. So if the Holy Spirit said, Pastor Smith, you're not going back to Asia ever again, I would say, Praise God and Amen. Amen. When you go to Africa, you go to Kenya, fly to England, fly to Zimb- uh, Zimbabwe, fly to Kenya. The worst part of any mission trip I've ever been on is the air flight there. I'm not afraid of flying. I'm not afraid of dying. But there's something about sitting still for 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 hours will blow your mind for a person like me. I can't sleep on a plane. I've tried different medications. said try this, Pastor, to make you doze off. It did not do anything to me besides make me jacked up. Every medicine that's ever meant intended to bring me down takes me up. So I come to the place where Paul, listen, resources are being spent. Paul's going back to the places that he just came from and said, listen, I want to strengthen the church. He had a mission in mind, and God said, yes, you can do that. He said, also, when I go to mission, on mission to strengthen church, I'm going to sneak over to Asia Minor. I'm going to preach the gospel. Because what does Paul have in his heart now? A desire to fulfill the mission of God. What was Paul's call? Do you remember what he was called? To, who, who was he called to preach to? The Gentiles. Guess who's in Asia Minor? The Gentiles, like you and me. Some of you have Jewish backgrounds, but most of us don't in this room. Paul was trying to get to us. He, he was so desperate to get the message. He was going to go, I'm, we're going over here, fellas. When we go back to Turkey, we're going to go back over. We're going to Asia Minor and preach. And the Holy Spirit of God says, no, you're not. I forbid you from going. That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But God, I want to do this thing for you. Any of you ever been in that situation? Don't do something for the Lord, ask him to bless it. Wait upon the Lord, let him bless it, and then go do it. You understand? It's opposite the way we think as Americans especially. Verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, uh, they tried to go through Bithynia, and guess what happened? Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Here we go, the Spirit stopped them twice. So passing through Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared, Paul, in the night. He had a night vision. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, hey, come over here to Macedonia to help us. Now, After he had seen the vision, immediately we Look how it transitions from he to we. Who's talking now? You remember who wrote the book of Acts? Luke the physician. So Luke is now somehow teamed up with him. Now we have a we. So far, who do we know is in this little band of preachers? Paul, Silas, Timothy, and now we, Luke. So we have at least four preachers traveling together. If you've ever been around preachers, we're a weird bunch. We're different people. We are. Amen. You know, that's true. So, it says the deacon. Um, we're different people. We see things differently. We pray about things. We, we think God can actually move mountains just like the word of God says. We challenge our people sometimes, and sometimes we slack. Sometimes we're hyper, and sometimes we're sleepy. Sometimes we're working too much and we overwork doing church work, and we forget to do the work of the church. But listen, it comes to place you got four preachers traveling together right here. And Luke saying, "We we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, who's been called? These four preachers. Now, it's not just Paul by himself. It's not just Paul and Silas. It's Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and now also Luke that we see. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course, Samothrace, and next day came to Neapolis, and from there went to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony." It's a Roman colony, by the way. And we were staying in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met, who met there, that we met there. Verse 14. Now, there was a woman named Lydia. She heard us. She was a seller of purple for the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Long time. Let's get into the notes. I want you to see this. Another disciple. Uh, Let's look at the notes, because this is very important for us to see this. Paul had a plan. His plan was to what? Go strengthen the churches. But his little secret plan, little sneaky, sneaky plan he had, was to go over to Asia and preach the gospel, right? I'm going to make more disciples, which means i got to come back later and strengthen them. So God had this world travel on his mind. He's actually sailing, hiking, riding beasts, whatever he's doing to get there. And we're going to see that his plan was good, but God used Paul's motivation to further the kingdom message, and the kingdom message is simply this, church. This is your message my message. Jesus saves. Amen? Look at the first note here. God's love. God's love motivated Paul to return to the city where he was threatened to be stoned to death and to the city where the people actually stoned him and left him for dead. We would not go back there if we were just normal. Is that true? The natural human being is, if they're going to hurt me, I won't go there. If they're going to do this to me, I won't be a part of their life. The second thing I want you to see, if you look in your notes, God had divine appointments, not just one. He had divine appointments for Paul. One such appointment was he had to meet his spiritual son of the faith, Timothy. You say, well, how did he get the spiritual son of the faith? Well, you got to look ahead. I gave you the reference, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, where he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, and then he goes back out and actually tells him, you're my spiritual son in the faith. Timothy becomes a strong preacher. He's a little timid like John Mark. Isn't it amazing that John Mark's not on this trip? Where's John Mark? Because he was a bit timid too, right? He quit him, and Paul was not going to go on journey with John Mark. But yet he finds this timid young man named Timothy. He was not 100% sure to himself because we believe his mother was a believer, but his father was not. How do we know? We've got to read First and 2 Timothy to read that. And Paul says, listen, don't put up with any of the wives' tells that are going on in the church. Don't let those people push you around. You're the leader of the church. Lead the people to Jesus Christ. Lead them as a good shepherd would lead his sheep. He gives commands to how the pastor should actually and who is qualified to be a pastor in the Bible. Today, our qualifications are, hey, if he just feels good, do it. If you just want a job, do it. We got people using titles of all kind of titles under the sun. People are using the title of apostle. If you were an apostle, you had to actually see the Lord Jesus Christ living. Is there anyone who's seen Jesus today? Don't answer that question. It wasn't Jesus. I'm just going to tell you ahead of time. If you saw Jesus, it wasn't Jesus. He will not do something special for you that he hasn't done. He'll give visions, but you won't see Jesus. If you physically see Jesus, there's only been one man in our recent history that said he saw Jesus. Do you know his name? He said he saw Jesus standing at the foot of his bed, and he saw God the Father standing at the foot of his bed. He swears as a testimony. That's what he saw. This was the early 1800s. His name was Joseph Smith. He's the, he's the founder of the Mormons. And if he saw God the Father, John 4:24 says, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So if the man said he saw God the Father standing before him, he is a liar based on the word of God. Amen. I, I know that you might have Mormon friends. I do as well. We don't want to say amen to that because that means all your Mormon friends you thought were just good, kind, uh, orthodox kind of people, they're following a the cult leader, someone who's led them astray. You cannot see the Father because the Bible says no man has seen the Father and lived. If he lived and said he saw the Father, either he, God, is a liar or Joseph Smith is a liar. You want to choose today who's the liar? it to us, church, Joseph Smith is the liar. His whole religion was founded on lies. Yet there's millions of people around the world following that religion. And by the way, the Jesus of the Mormons is not the Jesus of the Bible. You don't know that. You didn't name in that because you don't know that. One of you did. I heard you, Barbara. The Jesus of the Mormons is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Muslim is not the Jesus of the Bible. There's Jesus mentioned in the Quran. Did you know that? That is not the Jesus of the Bible. They don't get to tell us who Jesus is. Only God's Word tells us who Jesus is. The Jehovah Witness, listen, their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. They'll use use the watchtower and they'll come in and bring their translation of the Bible. They'll flip over to John chapter 1 and say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. They want to make Him a creation of God, not the Son of God. You cannot be saved by a creation. None of you, not me, not any of us, can save anyone else in the room. Would you die for me today? Not likely, the Bible even says. Would I die for you? Mm. Don't tempt me, all right? Don't test me. It depends on the situation. Because I'm a man, you're a woman, I'm a man, you're a man, a woman, whatever you might be. I'm a man, I'm a simple human. I have no saving authority whatsoever. There's only been one who's ever been born that has saving authority. His name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says he came into the world to save sinners. That was his whole plan, to call us out. Like I asked Garrett and Steve and Mike, hey, come out among the people. Come away from the people and come to me. And when you come into the fellowship, I don't need anyone to touch me. I don't need anyone to pray over me. I don't need anything. When I come out and say, I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I don't need anything from anyone else because God has sufficiently brought me into his kingdom. He's brought me into his family. You don't have to touch me. I don't even have to be baptized. Why am I baptized? Why do we have all this baptism water back here? Why do we baptize? Because our king commanded it. Amen? I don't have to do it to be saved. But I have to do it to be obedient. And there's a whole bunch of disobedient people. Could you imagine today, every baptism in the Bible, you say, well, Pastor, this is the point of contention. Baptists argue versus assemblies, versus Methodists, versus name, and list. Every baptism in the Bible was by immersion. Even the word baptizo, baptism, means to go under the water. So if your boat was baptized, you never got it back, back in the day, right? If you baptized your boat, it didn't come back. It was a wooden boat. It's gone. So baptism, listen, if we're sitting here today and we have a whole congregation of people who says, listen, I know you don't feel like it, so let me just come by and I'm going This happens, y'all. It's happening in, the north, in, in Augusta, Georgia. There's a... They call themselves the church, and they can't get together for baptism, so they get the city of Augusta to turn on the fire hydrants. Have y'all seen this? This person works within... I've talked with this person more than one time. The pastor... Offer, uh, works with the city of Augusta to turn on the fire hydrants to clean them out. You know, they, they, the firemen will pl- clean the plugs. Turns the water on, lets all the people run through the water, and the church is just running. Kids are playing, of course, I'd love it too. They're running back and forth down the street. It's blocked off, and they're calling it baptism. What picture is that of fire hydrant? That All that's a picture of is you're on fire. Put them out. <laughs> baptism is a picture of death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It wouldn't sound so crazy or funny if it wasn't true. It's happening here. What if I was just to come around and, and throw water on you and bless you because I called this holy water? I've told you there's a song called Holy Water. I can't stand the song because there is no such thing as holy water. Show me in the Bible where there's holy water. Now, there's water being used. Jesus turned water into wine that you could call that holy water. Holy water didn't fall from heaven. The only definition of holy water we have today is a Catholic priest taking something and saying a few Latin words and making the sign of a cross, and he, by virtue of what he said because of who he says he is, says it's holy water. I can't make holy water. The the funeral director, I've told you in my Sunday school class, he always keeps water in his glove box. He says, Pastor, you need water for what? To drink? Thank you. No, for holy water for your funerals. He keeps a bottle of water in the glove box for the priest. He'll get the Dasani out, and the priest will say Latin words, and then he'll sprinkle it on the casket. Guys, I can't. A man can't do that. You say, Pastor, are you saying <clears throat> there's false religion within the Catholic Church? I'm being watched live right now by friends. And I got friends that are Catholic. The answer is yes. If you pray to a dead man, that's a false religion. We don't pray to a dead man. Jesus Christ lives today, amen, and forevermore. If you pray to a saint, you pray to Jesus' mother instead of Jesus himself, listen, you're in a false religion. You've, gone, you've been led astray. You say, Pastor, now we're messing. We can mess with the Mormons, we can mess with Jehovah with us, but we can't mess with our Catholic friends because that's where all of us come from. Brothers and sisters, we've got to come to the point today in our life that we are a kingdom people, and when the Lord Jesus Christ said, there is a way, listen, it's a narrow way, it's a hard way, and you've got to walk there in, And yet there's a broad way, and the broad way everybody's on that way saying, let's go, that's our culture. There is no possibility that a man has power today unless the Holy Spirit has empowered him or her to do it. Listen, to raise the dead, it happened in the Bible. It can still happen. To heal the sick, it happened in the Bible. It's happened in our church, we've seen it. But no man's going to walk around. If you've got a man or woman says they can heal, don't go pay $25 to see them. Go get them, buy their lunch, and take them to Aiken Hospital and put the fifth floor out of business. Amen? Go do some work. Jesus, when he walked to town, be healed. He spit on the ground. Jesus spit, by the way. I love that he spit. He spit twice in the Bible, at least, that we know of. Made mud. When, when your mama tells you don't spit, say, Jesus did. <clears throat> okay, don't spit. Right. Sorry, that's the that's country boy i doing. Y'all, listen, this is so exciting stuff. When we become kingdom people, we are set free. No more bondage, no more baggage, because this man said so and this woman said so. If the word of God doesn't say so, it's not so. Amen? When it comes to the things of God. Don't let people make up rules and traditions and keep you under the burden and say, listen, aren't you glad you're free? Because you're not free. Every elephant, we went to Thailand, and those elephants are chained to the ground by this little bitty small chain, some ropes. Am I telling the truth, Kinsey? Right by their foot. And they've been chained since they were small animals, small um, elephants, and they'll just stand there and eat hay or whatever is in front of them, and they get the power to rip the whole building down with one pull. They could tear that whole place apart, made of wood, and they just stand there all day. As long as they spray them with water, those elephants would stand there and wait for people to actually ride them. Or I have a painting. And you can say, Pastor, have you lost it? I might be, but we sit and watch an elephant paint a picture of an elephant with a Thai flag in front of us. Now, the guy, what you don't know is there's, these guys have these, like, you ever heard of a marlin spike? You Navy guys, we've heard, ladies. It's a sharp object. And they stand right behind the elephant's ear, a very tender spot. And they'll get behind the trainer, get by the ear, and they'll stick the elephant in the ear with that spike. And they'll drag it down, so the elephant will do with his, tie, with his uh, trunk what the guy's doing with his hand behind the ear. The ear. The elephant doesn't know it's in slavery because that's the way it was raised. But what would happen when the elephant gets set free? If there was a fire and everybody cuts them loose, what's going to happen when they go back out into the wild? This is what freedom's about. This is the experience I am supposed to have all of my life. This is how Paul, is, when he's telling these people about the Lord Jesus Christ... His divine appointment with Timothy. He's going to roll up his divine appointment with Lydia. Let me give you the notes real quick. Paul traveled to the churches sharing what the apostles and elders determined about salvation. He said, you do not have to work for it. It is a gift of God. And when you receive it, guess what it turns into? The power of God for you and me. Unto salvation, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, Romans 1.16. Paul wanted to take the gospel to, uh, to Asia and the Holy Spirit forbid him. You might want to do something for the Lord today and he said, no, not yet. Just wait. You say, but I'm so, I'm getting older. Just wait. But I really want to. Just wait. While letting God choose his path, Paul, what'd he do? Waited. Could you imagine four preachers sitting around waiting to preach? Y'all don't understand because you're not a preacher, unless you're a preacher. They're itching to preach. Where do you want to go, Paul? Asia, man, I want to go. There and I want to preach so bad in Asia, I can't stand it. Luke's like, well, I'm not really a preacher. I'm a doctor, but I've been hearing a lot. I've been around Jesus. I've been around these apostles. I know what the, I've know. i seen Pentecost. I was there, man. It was crazy when the Holy Spirit stepped down. I want some of that. Timothy's hearing about it. His mama, guess how Timothy learned the gospel, the scriptures. We know from reading First and 2 Timothy. His mother and his grandmother. Two ladies instrumental in making this disciple who was a powerhouse of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not his daddy. His mom and his grandma spoke into his life, and he became a great Disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. While waiting, Paul had a vision. The vision is commonly referred to, and I'll put this down for you, the Macedonian call. If you ever hear a preacher preach about the Macedonian call, all that means is, hey, come over here. Hey, help us. We need the gospel over here. You might be sleeping one night, and God says, you, you go. I want you to go. And I've told you time and time again, if you don't have your passport, you're not ready to go. You must get your passport in case God calls you to Mexico, the islands, Europe, Asia—you got to be ready to go. No excuses. He said, "Pastor, I'm a felon. I can't get my passport." Okay, you made bad decisions back then, so your ministry is restricted to the continental United States. Just accept that. Don't want something you can't have because you did something you shouldn't have done. Amen. It's just you made bad decisions. Now, God used me. Here I am. You know my limitations, or God remove it because God can he's in a miracle business is that true? let's finish God had another divine appointment oh, what Paul do? Paul and his team immediately mobilized and traveled to Macedonia come over here that's like saying come to California come over to the west coast come to California and boy don't they need it amen but so does South Carolina so what does Paul do? they immediately pack up and go where's he going? He don't know. He's going to Macedonia. God said, come. He said, let's go, boys. That's what we've been waiting on. Where are we going? I don't know. That way. We're going to, we're going to the capital city. There's, there's a big Roman colony right there. We're going to go there. Philippi, we'll go to Philippi first. That's where we'll start. And guess his divine appointment when he went there. Out of all the places he could have went, he went there by the riverside. And by the way, why did the Jews, why well, was the tradition, even go back to Ezekiel, you look back, men would go down by the riverside, or women would go down by the riverside to pray. Why? What is it, what is was a picture of? You ever been by the river and prayed? When the water's moving, you see the power of God. It's one of my favorite places to pray. Go to the mountaintops and pray. Go to a creek and hear the water move. Or just go by a pond and watch the water sit still and think about how great is our God. You'll break out in praise when you sit by the water. And what is Jesus, by the way, his word is that he is the living what? Living water. Every time you get near and see the power of God, the majesty of God, and then you experience God, you can't help but tell somebody about it. God used Lydia, blessed woman Lydia, to be a blessing to the ministry of Paul, Luke, of course Timothy, and then us today. Anybody named Lydia? You know anybody named Lydia? It's a precious name. She was a dyer of purple. She was actually probably a very sharp, shrewd business lady. only Only the wealthy could afford the purple. It was a special type of dye, and she was specializing in it. And she actually sold to kings and those in authority. Now, I told you this was your part. We're getting to the end of the service. Let me see this. Paul was at a crossroads. He had to make a decision. He wanted to go to Asia, and God said, no. He wanted to go through the strength of the church. God said, yes. But on your way there, I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you an opportunity to meet Timothy, who's going to extend. When Paul says in Timothy, he says, listen, I have run the good race. I have fought the, good fight. I have fought the fight. What's going to happen? I'm getting ready to be poured out. Timothy, you've got to keep on. So Paul's pouring into Timothy was his actually experience that Timothy would carry the ministry on into the future. And how many times have we been blessed by reading the book of first and second Timothy? As Paul talked to Timothy, guess who he spoke to? Do you know where my calling comes from? Why am I a pastor today? Because I ran from I said, Lord, I'll do anything in the world. You can ask my wife. I will shovel horse manure for the rest of my life. Just don't let me go into the ministry. I do not want to be a pastor because I watch what, what I thought was supposed to be church, people fighting and complaining and griping and, and all kinds of different things I heard growing up as a kid. I'm like, I don't ever want to be a part of that. I like Jesus, don't like his people. Y'all that way sometimes? Amen. But listen, we come to the place today and God called me to the ministry. He used the scripture. When some young lady with my workplace was saying, listen, How do you know the Bible's true? I said, turn to, and I just got through praying, God, don't say another word to me about anybody else. I don't want to hear about anybody else. I don't care about anybody else right at this point. I need to hear from you. Are you calling me to the ministry, yes or no? Well, I knew the answer was already yes, but I, I wanted another answer. I wasn't satisfied. And so this young lady comes to my door, she says, Hey, Clint, let me ask you something. How do you know the Bible's really real? And I kept the Bible on my desk. I was an insurance underwriter. I said, it says right here, Second Timothy, and I, this is the way I did it, y'all. I had, I had, I'm mad at God because he won't answer my prayer. I'm asking him a question. God, you've got to put on a road sign. You've got to have about a blinker sign saying lane change. Clint is going into the ministry. You're called to the, be the pastor. You're called to preach the word. Lord, something, give me a hint. Give me a morsel, a scrap. I've been studying your word. I've been reading your word. And I, so she asked me, and I said, look, it says right here, the Bible says about itself. And I put my finger, I thought, on Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. This is what I intended to tell her. Remember, I have an internal struggle myself, and you are as well. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what I intended to show her, because I put my finger on it like this. I didn't know that my finger went to the wrong place. What's my question I'm asking God? Are you calling me to preach yes or no? I feel like you are, but I don't want to make this thing up myself. I'm helping somebody else, even though I'm mad, and I put my finger right here on, you, you should look at it for yourself. 2 Timothy, if you have a new King James or King James Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Y'all, I'm a simple kind of guy. Sometimes I'm dumb as rocks, and I need it simple. I'm vanilla. I need, I need it plain and vanilla, just simple. The first three words God put with an exclamation point in my Bible are these. Preach the word, exclamation point. This, that was where my finger was. I'm asking God for something. Look, give me confirmation. Give me confirmation. And then this lady comes in and asks me about how do you know the word of God is the word of God? And I'm like, Ugh. The Bible's clear that it's God's word. It's God breathed. Here's what it says. Preach the it was like a sword, double-edged sword. Does that make sense to you? That cut me to my core. Then I went on to read this. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will be heaped up for themselves, teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Then God was saying something to me. Do you know who wrote this? The Apostle Paul. Do you know who he was writing it to? Timothy, his son in the faith. But you know who was blessed by it and called into the ministry by it? Your pastor. The very words that Paul used going to Macedonia to teach Timothy, and he even refers back. If you go back and look at chapter one, uh, uh, where I gave you the scripture. If you go back to Second Timothy chapter, let um, I me mean, look First Timothy chapter one, verse one through four. He says, remember why I told you when you were in Macedonia? He takes him back to the remembrance. Let me encourage you. Get your notes out. If you're in a crossroads in your life, what should you do? Say it with me. Come on, we're singing a song. Get your notes out. It's in your bulletin. Look at the bottom. The takeaway. If you're in a crossroads in your life, what should you do? Let God choose the path. If you're struggling and don't know what to do, what should you do? Let God choose the path. If you're burdened to reach someone with the gospel, what should you do? Let God... Come on, y'all do better than this. Y'all are sleepy. It's, It's almost over. We're almost at the finish line. Finish well. If you're burdened to reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ, what should you do? Let God choose the path. If you're wondering if God has a plan for your life, wait. And then what should you do? Let God choose your path. Remember what the word of the Lord says, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Listen, it says, His ways are not our ways, says the Lord. His ways are higher than ours. When you don't know what to do, just trust God. And what should you do? Let God choose the path. Listen, you've got to come to the place in everything that you're doing, in every situation. Paul didn't know where he was going. He wanted to go to Asia. God says, you're not going there because God had a plan for him in Macedonia. God had a plan for him down by the riverside. God had a plan for him to grow up a young man in the faith. God had other plans than Paul's. When Paul did it God's way, guess what he got? God's results. You and I have the Bible today, some 13 letters written by Paul because Paul was obedient to what God said to do. And all this started out of a church fight. How about that? And an obedience. I'm not taking John Mark with me. I'm not taking, I feel like a weaker person with me. And guess who he met on the journey? A weaker young man. And he matured him. And later, John Mark, you'll see him say, hey, send John Mark. He's profitable for the ministry. You know, listen, we must let God choose the path no matter where you find yourself. It won't be easy. It is one of the hardest things to do is wait upon the Lord. But when he calls you, listen, go immediately like Paul did in his team. Go immediately. Respond immediately when he says to do it. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, Lord, as we read this and hear, we know our personalities. We say, yeah, that's good for Paul, and that's good for Luke, and that's good for Timothy, and that's good for Lydia, and that's good for Peter, and that's good for we start making all the excuses. Lord, How much evidence can you weigh out in front of us in your word to help us understand that you're the only way to get to heaven? There is no other way to be saved except through accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Lord, why is it so thick for us to get it through? Help that person that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, today. Our friends and our family members, those who are watching uh, by internet, help them understand it is through faith, And by God's grace alone, that Jesus Christ saves our sins. If we would call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved, your word says. But Father, help us once we're saved, fall through a believer's baptism. Be committed to being a full disciple of Jesus Christ, not a half-hearted follower. And Lord, then as we follow you, help us to wait, because you might be calling some of us, like myself, from a professional career into the ministry full-time. You might be calling people to the mission field full-time. Lord, we don't know what you're doing, but we know that you're in charge of all things. Help us to be waiting upon you, reading the scripture, praying, and be ready to go when you say go. Lord, we need to respond. Lord, help us to pray and ask for forgiveness when we fail you as well. Help us to share the gospel every chance you give us. Help us be looking for those divine appointments that you've put in our place. Whether we're walking the dog, or Father, we're taking out the trash, or, or it's where we work, or whatever it might be. Father, give us those divine opportunities and help us to recognize them and respond accordingly and do it God's way. Lord, we're weak people, but we need your help. We know that you'll help us because you're almighty God. We bless you today. We ask these things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.